Hey guys, this is Robert Breedlove from the What Is Money Show. And as you've learned by watching this show, Bitcoin is the single most important asset you can own in the 21st century. And one of the most important companies in Bitcoin today is Nidig. Nidig's mission is to facilitate financial security for all. They accomplish this by bringing a high level of professionalization and sophistication to the Bitcoin marketplace. As a true game changer in the industry, Nidig is safely unlocking the power of Bitcoin for forward-thinking individuals and institutions alike. By using Nidig, you will gain access to an end-to-end institutional-grade platform, providing Bitcoin OTC transactions, Bitcoin collateralized borrowing, secure custody, asset management, derivatives, financing, market research, and more. And all of these services meet the highest regulatory governance and audit standards. Led by Robbie Gutman, Yin Zhao, and Ross Stevens, Nidig has absolutely exploded onto the Bitcoin scene recently and is leading the way for ongoing institutional adoption in this nascent asset class. So please be sure to check out Nidig as a single source for all your Bitcoin needs. Derived from a chapter in your book called The Future of Intelligence. And I think people have a common belief that intelligence is some super sophisticated thing that you know only really humans have or, or we have in a capacity above all other animals but i think your book does a great job of simplifying it and that at its most in, its in the most basic sense intelligence is just error correction so um it's a it's an adjustment i guess between our model mental model of reality and what reality actually is and the continuous adjustment is the process of intelligence, effectively. So it's not just something that's expressed in the human mind. It's also something that's expressed in markets um, and other, I guess, forms of, of pattern recognition and fitting. So I think this is so interesting how intelligence itself, which, which you know, clearly got us to the modern age is actually being changed or impacted by the tools we use in the modern age. So I guess the big idea here is that intelligence is error correction. And we'd like to explore where, where are we going with this? How is technology going to change the way we error correct, uh, recognize patterns? Um, and, and what does this, what does it look like going forward where humans aren't the most or not i guess not the only intelligent uh force in the world yeah and 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 that's that that chapter uh, it's a very big idea um and it challenges radically our perception of reality and what's next um uh, and we'll walk through kind of why that's true or why i believe it's true but but look dig into that a little bit more but i will say this one uh one of the top economists when he was reading the book he's also uh pretty deep in ai when when he asked uh when he was challenging me on this his, and said uh why is it why is this different this time and i said for one um this concept changes everything it, it if you if you just say one day computers will be smarter than us. You could say that's in 20 years, 40 years, 50 years, 80 years, 10 years. 
doesn't matter. But if, if one day computers are going to be smarter than us, how possibly could we create more jobs through, through so, so, so that has to be deflationary for the whole world, but it means a whole bunch of other stuff. And we might not want that to be true, but it doesn't change the facts that it is true. And so we can, let's, let's explore that big idea about intelligence really is error correction. Yeah. The quote from your book that gave you, it just gave me a very visceral sense of how big of a deal this is, is you said, quote, if electricity was a match, then artificial intelligence is the sun. And clearly, all of us in our day-to-day lives, electricity has become so commonplace, it's taken for granted. You know, it's largely invisible. You expect the light to come on when you walk in a room and you hit the switch. Your refrigerator keeps food uh, you know, cold for you or your freezer keeps food frozen for you for weeks and months on end. Um, it's gave it, given us a totally new way to handle energy. And now we have, you know, artificial intelligence, which, which could actually start to, you know, I guess with robotics and process automation, we have uh, innovated away a lot of the more mechanical, physical jobs, right? We've moved away from the Henry Ford assembly line to the robotic assembly line for building automobiles, for instance. But now we're talking about innovating and automating away more white collar or, or cerebral type jobs. And, you know, this is just, you know, to the point of the book, when other tools provide work more efficiently than humans, this is destructive to jobs, even though it's a net benefit for society, right? We're creating more outputs per unit of input. The transition is what, uh, I guess, is resisted typically by people, you know, the accountants and the lawyers and all of these other investment bankers, whatever the positions may be that are at risk, they're going to resist a change like this. So where do you see us today on that journey? Where are we on the spectrum of, of transition to something like a general, I guess you'd call this general purpose AI? So let's, let's probably, let's break that down into kind of, and uh, general purpose AI when, when computers are, so that what they say is the morning that the computer is smarter than than us that the evening it's smarter than all of us so mm-hmm. that the kind of that uh, rate of growth we don't have general purpose ai today humans are still better at at seeing patterns from a different feel and, and attracting it to to uh, to making an analog to a different field and seeing seeing what that looks like but a narrow um in narrow uh, artificial intelligence machine learning uh, computers are are ex- it, it, the the pace of growth is incredible, and if you just think about how we learn, um, what we do is we practice over and over and over again, error correcting, and that's how our job families are all built. The best of us know more. We see patterns that nobody else sees because of the practice we put into something, and actually we go super deep, and and in some cases we miss the forest for the trees because we're so deep in, in, into the narrow thing too. So it's not like just computers get caught there. We do too. In fact, this whole radical change of society that's coming 
why most people are missing it is because they're caught in an old, in an old pattern. But let's just take that narrow intelligence um, uh, for a moment. Human beings have to make choices, compromises in your biological computer of what you see, what you don't see, um, what you experience. And, and your version of reality is referenced back and referenced back and you're slowly correcting that in, in anything. Um, and you're slowly correcting errors. Over time, you get really good at a narrow something. And to kind of, if remember the old 10,000 hours of practice? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 10,000 hours of practice to create um, excellence. It doesn't guarantee excellence in anything, um, but 10,000 hours of dedicated practice to something can make you an expert. But our time runs out because 10,000 hours is a lot of time. It's 10 years of full-time work to get yeah. 10,000 10, hours in something. And you, we have to make a choice of 10,000 hours on piano or 10,000 hours at football or 10,000 hours at something else or 10,000. And so those choices put us down with that or being a doctor or something else. And you go narrow, narrow indeed all the while it's doing this same thing. And, and in that choice, we can't see all of the other things. We can't see all the information because we have to choose the information that we we're, we're looking at and computers can see more information and they can error correct against that information. So that's what machine learning really looks like. Taking a whole bunch of inputs and looking at an output and adjusting the dials. The machine is adjusting the weights and dimensions mm -hmm. about things that we might have not have seen that look like magic um, that a computer sees. And we, we misunderstand how fast that's moving. First, uh, first computers to be chess champions. A lot of people thought it said that couldn't happen because you know, that's domain domain of humans. We're better at it. And then, then it eclipses it. Go, the best computer scientists didn't think we would do that until mid this, mid this uh, decade. And that eclipsed three or four years ago. Yeah. Um, and then, then the same program that all of the, uh, all of the computer scientists wrote to be able to, uh, to be able to do that was beaten by a system that wrote itself. Um, and so, so how fast this is happening is, is staggering. The, uh, we, we talk about Moore's law in, in everything else in technology. AI is advancing at a rate that is, is, is hard to even comprehend. And I'm just talking right now narrow-based AI because it's just collecting data sets and it's making predictions that we couldn't see all the data when we were making it, when we're making predictions. So it's correcting errors faster. Yes, in the early days, we're helping train the AI. In the later days, we don't need to. It sees things we, we couldn't. And, and now just if you think about our, how our economies are built, if our economies are built on narrow domains where the best in any field gets paid way more than the second best, third best, everything else in a distribution of, of income because of that. And even in that narrow field, AI becomes the best and it's free. Doesn't it change everything? Yeah. And so, so you actually don't even need, so when people are talking about AI, what a lot of people get confused at, even in my book, they're, because they're so scared of the fact, they think of it as a light switch moment. One day we have it, one day the next, one day we don't have it, next day we do. 
it doesn't matter. The entire thing is deflationary all the way through. And, and to point out the craziness of this, the, so uh, one of my friends runs a robotics AI company where he's, bu he's building general purpose uh, AI, whether he's going to be successful or not. But he also, uh, he also started a company, D-Wave, one of the uh, quantum computer uh, uh, companies. And, and so, and he believes he will be successful, as do a whole bunch of other people. What his COO said to me, or no, said on a stage, and I and 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 I heard, this is a ten trillion dollar opportunity. And and I pulled her aside afterwards, and I said, "You got to be kidding me, right?" I said, "If you're successful, it means we don't need any jobs. <laughs> if we need, if we don't need any jobs, then how is it a ten trillion dollar opportunity?" But, but it's those things that don't go together. We hold on to the, our own fr old framework. Yeah. And we talk about a business that is changing the old framework that, uh, without realizing the consequences of changing the old framework. <laughs> right. Wow. Interesting. So <clears throat> I guess a couple of things there resonated with me. One, you said we have this narrow use cases for AI today that are super effective, right? We're out competing the best human or teams of humans in the world, but we haven't been able to, I, I guess, broaden the scope of that to something more generalized where humans are still, we're still the best across multiple domains, I guess, compared to right. an AI. Right. But this sort of harkens back to me to your point earlier about disruptive tech, that it has to go narrow before it goes broad. So is, are we just seeing that with AI? It's just going narrow for now until we can synthesize these multiple narrow AIs into a general AI? So the compute power would have to advance. So if you just did it based on current algorithms and machine learning, and you took that, that out in kind of a bigger brain and, and broadened that, it would take, no, it can happen at some sort of path along compute power and energy. That can happen. Yeah. Um, but but it's, a, it's almost a brute force calculation. Mm -hmm. In all the while, there's other algorithms and thing and, and um and things to, that are that are changing that will likely change the way it's done now to uh, apply a different uh a different purpose um there's uh, one of the top researchers in this field is in actually ubc and is a friend of mine but probabilistic programming mm -hmm. whether it that is the breakthrough or not but it could be one of the breakthroughs that changes this uh and advances general purpose AI faster. So, um, so but it, but the point is, it almost doesn't matter the advance, how fast this space is moving. We are going to, at some point, seed our top of the food chain to machines. And 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 what and and what and what that means, and how much better, faster, cheaper, everything else that that, that can be, uh, that, that things can be done. It's just it, it blows your mind because every single industry we already see it. Yeah, it's incredible to think about. Um, so so it's happening then from two sides. We have the AI productivity being improved through you know ventures like your friends, who are actually trying to increase. Um, I guess the sophistication of the artificial intelligence, but also uh, like we talked about last time, there's this collapsing cost of energy as well. Right. So you could actually, you, it, it relieves the power constraints on AI such that you could push more through it. 
So yeah. I, I guess the, the total productivity of the AI is really being improved at the AI level and the energy input level to the point where it's just pushing it up these uh, utility hierarchies for jobs. And it sounds like nothing is safe, right? Yeah, and, and, and in the end, nothing is safe. Are, are there tons of opportunities right now to create different businesses? It's, yeah. it's incredible. There's so many opportunities to create different businesses to deliver value differently right now. But in the end, all of those opportunities are deflationary. Yeah. They, they, they remove labor and they give us more for less. And, and that is the nature of technology and it gets better and better every year. And it's the nature of some of the technologies that we're using that are, that are that when I use that match versus the sun, let's, let's back up. So what, what, what drove that conversation was Mark Carney on stage talking about electricity as a general purpose technology um, and going through all the charts on essentially if you backtrack to where we are in the world today that a lot of people think we're in the world today they're using historical norms mm. on other general purpose technology to compare where we are in a technology super cycle today which is totally different and that's what mark kearney was doing and he was showing kind of the what what preceded World War One and Two was technology driving change and reducing costs and removing labor, um, and governments printing against that to try to stop that and destroying the currency. So that's what preceded everything. Yeah. And 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 then on the back side of that, uh, you had energy being kind of a base layer and a whole bunch of new industries that could build on top of that. And so, and he said, so, so we're experiencing, so he went on and on and showed all the charts and graphs and said, we're experiencing that today and it'll look the same on the backside of this. Hopefully we can get through without wars and everything else, but on the backside of this, there's going to be way more jobs and everything else. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and I said to him after he spoke, I, uh, I said, I don't remember anybody saying it, saying uh, that uh, uh, energy was exponential. It wasn't something that was getting better, uh, doubling each year or doubling every year and a half um, in, in its power. And I also don't remember anybody thinking that energy would be smarter than mankind or humankind. Yeah. And, and those are pr two pretty big variables that you leave out <laughs> when you're comparing <laughs> one set of circumstances to another. Right. The, they're, they're apples and oranges. You cannot use historical data about the time we were going through then um, to, to equate to what we're going through now. It's totally different. Well, yeah, it just propels you straight into the realm of science fiction almost. But... And, and we'll, we'll look around. Some of the stuff that, that we see every day is, is out of science fiction. Yeah. It's a, the, the, um, and it's moving faster and faster and faster. Um, the, the, our ability to understand how fast this is coming is coming into, into question. It changes so many b beliefs right. um, that we had. Um, and those beliefs, we don't want to let go. We yeah. want, we, it's really hard to let go. Yeah, I um, recall yeah. even as a kid seeing a movie with people participating in a video call as we are now and thinking that was this outlandish sci-fi technology. And now, you know, here we are just a, a decade, a couple decades later. Um, and I think, so one of those, and we've touched on this before, but one of those paradigms, I feel impelled to reiterate this, that people are stuck in 
is that we need jobs, right? Like jobs are the thing that make the world go round. Like you need a job, you need to hold on to a job. It's your means of security. It's your means of contribution to society, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the point here is that when we innovate, a successful innovation in the marketplace that eliminates a category of jobs is actually a positive thing, right? It may not feel positive during the transition when all of a sudden the candle maker you know, the inventor of the light bulb has displaced the candle maker and he's, you know, got to retool his skill set and go back into the marketplace and figure out what he's going to do. But the net productivity gain accretes to society. And then all of a sudden everyone in the world has been given more freedom, right? They, they get more light, more hours of the day, more cheaply to read and study and go and do other things. So it's, it's improving, it's advancing civilization. Although we, so Robert, this is such an important topic. Like we just need to exclamation part, exclamation mark, yeah. because it's, a, it, it's, it's what policymakers and lot in the Bitcoin community and everything else, you hear everybody saying, grow, 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 grow. Yeah. We're going to grow. We're going to grow. We're going to grow. Growth today is the removal of jobs. And then everybody says, well, we need to retrain those people to find other jobs. Yeah. Okay. How are you going to do that against AI? Um, fast enough that AI doesn't eclipse the next one and the next one and the next one. How is that possible? What we need to do is understand growth today in a digital world with AI coming means more freedom and letting prices fall to match that. Uh, to, uh, to match that, it doesn't mean trying to hold prices high and, and retrain a whole bunch of people for new jobs that are going to be gone. Yeah. Um, growth to, growth today is totally inverted from the way that we used to look at it against an inflationary monetary policy. Yeah, yeah, it's a great point. I, so <laughs> the other thing you said earlier, 10,000 hours of training to reach this level of mastery, I forget what author put that out, but it's a you know, pretty popular metric. It's as if we're all born with this, well, let's just say not born. In youth, you have more of a pluripotentiality. You can do a lot of things. You can go a lot of different directions. You're, you're an uncarved block, so to speak. And then you have to pick a direction eventually, right? You go, you know, elementary school, high school, pretty generalized. You get into college, you start to get more specific. Maybe you go to a vocational school and get a little more specific before that. But you have to narrow down your possibility set to really specialize in something and, and get good at it. And it sounds like this technology could actually give us more potentiality over time. So we wouldn't need, I mean, people would still specialize, but you wouldn't have to specialize in these things that, uh, these mechanical facets of life that could just be provided by software or AI. Maybe accounting comes to mind. I'm a trained accountant, but I could see a world where a lot of the things you do as a CPA, I mean, they're there are strategic elements, but there are a lot of elements that are dry code, so to speak, that an AI could provide. Um, if you could satisfy all of that with software and relieve the accounting profession of this, call it, I don't know, 50 or 80% of its workload, then you've given this whole uh, army of people more freedom and time to go out and do other things. Uh, I, I start to see the, the technology in a very positive light, when I think of it that way, uh, what's the flip side to that? I mean, is, is, is there a dark side to that or is it just the transition that 
people the, the flip side the flip side is if you stay in inflationary monetary policy and you remove their labor um mm. where do they go that's what's happening you're pushing prices up and you're causing people you're causing people to oh my god what am i going to do when my job's gone right, right right and rebel against both the technology that's moving anyways it's going to happen anyways and and fight the, because of fear so they're holding on to something they know because of fear yeah. because they can't see the way that it's going to look in the future because the system is incongruent with the way it's going to look like and what's what it's going to look like in the future so so but holding on to that belief system about what it looks like now is causing more and more pain because everybody is self-motivated they think about themselves and their family and everything else so they're tr working really hard to try to outrun it mm -hmm. to save more money to outrun it so they can one day retire right well but well both sides are advancing and making that harder and harder for them to do so you 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 run into a whole bunch of fear and those are the people that still have jobs so this right. is, those are the people. There's a whole bunch of people that don't, or that have menial that are on the bottom, that have no idea that what we're talking about. And so that what they would do is they would look at technology and they would rebel against technology. And it must be the, the technologies, or it must be the monopolies, or anything else. We're actually concentrating monopoly power by running a a a, a system of inflation against the technology deflation. We're concentrating monopoly power. We're making the, the, the monopolies way stronger. So the way I think about this, uh, I hope it's useful for the audience as well, is the through quantitative easing or expansion of the money supply, it's the currency issuer, the central bank, and whoever gets the money first, basically they're harvesting this economic surplus created by technology. So technology is pushing prices down globally that would typically or, or it wants to or it wants to it, it wants to yeah it's, it's, it's not because the central bank policies inflation has to overcome that deflation with right. more monetary easing in fact when you when you see inflation rates when when people talk about the chaplain index or different inflation rates for the cpi and most people go in and say how dare they this is a total uh, bullshit number yeah. right in uh, the cpi and that might be true or some of, some of that, but most of it is caused by this. Why they've been under uh, over is because technology is moving faster and they keep on printing more to try to outrun it and lower interest rates to try to outrun it and it keeps on running away on them yeah, and, yeah. and they don't know what they're doing. It's a, it's a structural change. They can't, uh, and, and that's only going to get worse. Yeah, because the, what they're chasing is moving exponentially. Yeah, what would you do? What would you do as a uh, as a CEO if you're, you're you're trying to create value as fast as you can, and if you can create more value by reducing removing labor, you're going to remove labor by creating more value. So, and and if you're in a system where where labor is getting more expensive or it's just harder and harder, right. you're going to do it faster. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of mind bending in a way, I think, so if I can string a couple of things together here, uh, which I guess I would call this the end of jobs <laughs> formula. Like, okay, we have solar energy falling on the earth. Two hours of sunshine globally is enough to power the world for a year if we harnessed it properly. You then layer in 
robotics, nanotechnology, 3D printing, uh, that's actually doing, I guess, a lot of the actual productive labor. Yep. Um, AI on top of that. And then AI. AI facilitating all of the process flows between energy and, and final product output. Yep. I mean, doesn't, like, what jobs are left at that point? And people are that's just... The thing. That's the thing. And, and when I, I was really, as I, as I wrote that chapter and as you're really thinking about it, okay, I think, where could you be, be, because if you could create new job, new, new industries faster than that was happening, mm -hmm. then you could still grow. You could create new labor pools and everything else. And there's some new, as the, as the transition happens, there's pockets of new growth. So solar is going to be a huge pocket of new growth. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be net new jobs in solar as the infrastructure is built out. But after the infrastructure is built out, probably not as many new jobs. Mm -hmm. So that's a kind of an infrastructure uh, play. And then look to other industries where the, where the amount of new jobs could outpace the ones that are going away and add AI and what's happening. And it's impossible. It's a, it's just, um, I would love to, if anybody doesn't believe that there, if anyone has problem, debate me on that, mm -hmm. tell me which industry that, that uh, um, and, be, because when you understand how fast these technologies are moving and the computers along with, look at the Boston robotics dog, look, look at a video from 10 years ago, look at today yeah. or the, or, or the robot and look at it falling down, could stand and everything else. And now look what it can do. And now it's moving out into the field. Some of these things are scary. Yeah. They're coming anyways. And think, but think about the next step. That's only in 10 years that, you had something that had to be held up, was walking, that looked like kind of a, a drunken sailor <laughs> um, to doing backflips and, and, and dancing and everything else all, all on its own. That's in a 10-year time frame looking backwards against this technology. Looking forwards, it's just, it, it blows your mind with what it does. And then if you, can, if you think about, okay, now you can miniaturize all this technology and the technology could build other technology and AI on, on top of it, it's hard to see any industry, any industry being safe from automation. And we're, we're, it's only going to get faster, not only because of the tech can drag onto itself, but by creating through more innovation, we're freeing more of the workforce to seek other, I mean, other means of employment, right? People, people need to spend less hours working per week to satisfy their basic needs in this, not, netting out inflation for a minute. Yeah, not in the existing system. Yes. In the existing yes. system, it's counter to that. Yes. In the system that will emerge, it's going to be congruent. We could say for Bitcoiners today, this is happening. If you're holding- this, for, for Bitcoiners, what they see is everything going down in price. Yes. Um, yes. And we're living in that to, we're, and, and if you measure in Bitcoin, you, you already see reality and yeah. it'll just keep on getting better forever. So the the- <laughs> the force of entrepreneurs are further being unleashed on these problems. So you're going to have more and more minds working on these problems to make things even better as the world sort of yeah. transitions to Bitcoin as well. So it's only going to get faster. There's no leveling off to this. Yeah. So, so let's back up to kind of uh, what, what's happening and this ties something uh, I wrote about in the book, but I heard you, uh, the, the way you explained it was even better than I wrote about in the book. So, but, but if, <laughs> and uh, on a different podcast. So, so um, information 
um, wants to be free. Mm-hmm. So, so when you, why, why the printing press was such a big, great uh, deal is, is it opened up a whole bunch of new minds to the collective. And the first, and, and the first people that used the printing press, the press, and most of the books that came out of that were the churches and everything else to, to entrench ideas. Mm-hmm. But as more people were added, some of those ideas didn't match with reality. And so people had new idea that, that was what, that, that broke a belief system that the church, uh, that the church, because that's where everybody used to get their information. Mm-hmm. And, and, and all of those new ideas then, then had to kind of be challenged a lot of bad ideas, mm-hmm. right? A lot of, but a lot of good ideas too, that then, then broke down institutions because a really good idea that is that, uh, or really an uh, um, idea that's time has come <laughs> is yeah. unstoppable. Yeah. Um, and so, but that, uns- that, that created an incongruence with the belief system for the church and, and, and it forced the church to, what do I do? I fight it, right. which happened. Yeah. Right. Try to try to stop the belief system from getting out there, but the belief system, that idea, that information, growing and expanding and error correcting, yeah. corrected a whole bunch of errors in our belief system. Yeah. Um, and that and that changed. And and if you look at the scientific revolution, re- Renaissance age, all of the, a bunch of the things came out of the printing press. Right. Um, as a re- result, what's happening today with Bitcoin is actually the same thing at a different scale. It's building on top of all this knowledge and building and it kind of each innovation builds on previous innovation and, and a bunch of other really great thought before it. And it's breaking down mental models that we believe in. So, so today, my book, for instance, Bitcoin, for instance, um, start to people are seeing things that they would have never seen before and it forces them to ask the question why do i believe in inflation mm-hmm. and and there has to be an answer on the other side and when the answer is hand waving because it's always been this way um or if the answer is and 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 now a whole bunch of people are asking those questions and constantly asking those questions and there doesn't seem to be any answers. And, and it's building knowledge base over and over and over again at a rate that we can't even comprehend. So some of the ideas, even in my book, but some, so I don't know in, uh, which ideas were mine and which ideas weren't totally mine. I heard something, but I didn't pay any attention to it from somebody long ago. And then it, I built on it to make it mine and everything else. And I, uh, um, I didn't try to, I tried to reference every single person in the yeah. book that I uh, that built the ideas on, but you can't, cause you don't know which you ones they, they were blind to me. Yeah. Right. And now I think about, and now I look at what's happening even in Bitcoin, Twitter and everything else. And the amount of ideas that are coming in to expand at a rate that is impossible to stop. 
Yeah. And that, that, that knowledge base and, and is, is building and building on this. And I'm going to take that idea and refine it more. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to take that over here and I'm going to move, move it over here. This idea into energy. Is there a, in the existing system, is there a whole bunch of FUD that we believe because we've always believed it. And, and just like the printing press broke the power of the church yeah. and, 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 and gave society a, a whole bunch of abundance and learning to another level because of information and because of information that was error corrected. That's what's happening today. Those ideas cut through that, those ideas cut through and it forces a question on the other side. It forces it, and not it forces it, it demands an answer. Mm. And, and when the, that answer is hand-waving people, people start to realize, and, and and that's actually what's happening in, in, in a lot, bunch of the bit, people in Bitcoin that are super deep down the rabbit hole. They've already gone through almost six months, a year of rewiring their brain to realize, oh, wow, all of this belief system over here <laughs> that, that, that maybe I believed too, yes. but is, 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 is radically wrong. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and so when new people are coming in, it's, uh, it's, it, it feels like a religion, yeah. but it's, uh, um, but it, it, there's nothing more fact-based than the, than in, in the most part than some of the best people in, in Bitcoin Twitter. It's, it's really evidence-based fact-based and, 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 and so I, I love that. And you add, you're adding new minds all the time. Yeah. It, um, yeah. The best people, the the best people in it, are celebrating those new minds. Yeah, right. They're bringing on, they're building onto, they're pointing to the, the those people. Um, so it's, uh, it, but it's remarkable. And and that idea, it's unstoppable. That that's why the idea itself is unstoppable because the technology allows that information to be free. Right. And the existing system has to understand. Has to has has to defend why it shouldn't be right 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 that's a it's a brilliant way to look at it um this lens of the enlightenment itself being a result of the technological shift that, that decreased the cost of information distribution so we could error correct more quickly and some of the largest expressions of that error correction were moving from a geocentric to a heliocentric model of the solar system, right? We, we uh, I guess, New Newtonian mechanics came off the back of this. We started to error correct. You know, the church is not the dominant institution of the universe, right? There's this whole other branch of reality called science that's changed the world in a lot of ways. And all this was rooted in just making information cheaper, right? We were, we were able to increase thought and error correction much more quickly. And I think one of the ones, and this is where memes are so interesting, um, you know, as you were alluding to about Bitcoin, it's like you, you see people in the Bitcoin community, it sounds crazy because they're telling you everything and your worldview is wrong, basically, and here's, here's the truth. But that meme, the orange pill, that really, you know, that people can relate to that movie, The Matrix. There's, yeah. there's a lot of allegory and, uh, I guess, insinuation of kind of the relationship between citizen and government in that movie. So that meme really takes hold. And now it's like everyone's talking about the orange pill. There's the orange pill podcast, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, it seems like one of those memes that's taken hold recently is, you know, in the wake of COVID is this, if they can just print money, why do I pay taxes? Right. And I haven't, to your point, the question's been asked. The answer is, well, what's the answer? I haven't heard a good answer to that yet. I mean, it's very- There, is, there, there, there isn't a good answer. The answer is uh, taxes, so they can get all the money they want through printing money. Printing. Right. So, that's so, the so that, 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 uh, that, uh, that's the answer. And that printing uh, uh, is a redistribution of wealth to the wealthiest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, from the poor. That's what, it, uh, that's what it is. And there is no good answer. I put out a tweet yesterday. In 2019, if you taxed 100% of the profits of every company in the US, you tax everything. Yeah. It's 2.25 trillion. <laughs> last year, you're going, you're going to, last year you printed over, over 5 trillion. Yeah. Wow. So, it, it, so it, it's it's such a it's it, so the ta the ta the taxes is a way of saying um, we care yeah um, but it 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 uh, it doesn't do anything that's incredible it's a it's it's a it's it's a redistribution away or it's a distribution away so I inflate faster yeah um, and then I'm going to charge some taxes to redistribute so I can pay some people money to keep up the charade. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just, and then the, so in this digital enlightenment, which I think is probably the right term, uh, that people are just waking up to these illusions that we've once again like, found a technological medium that accelerates error correction to such a great degree, just without even introducing AI, just people on Twitter exchanging ideas or whatever social media or digital platform ideas move much more fluidly across the world. Um, you know, memes have really become a thing. Meme, like Dawkins wrote about memetics 30, 40 years ago, but now they've just now really come into their own and that people know what a meme is. It's a highly compressed narrative, right? You just put a few words on a picture and then people can then anchor their experience or relation to, that, to the message in that movie or, or whatever the comedic scene is. And they can derive a lot more meaning from it in a lot less space, right? Instead of reading a right. whole book, you can just compress all that into a picture. Picture's worth a thousand words kind of thing. Um, I wonder though, so this is something I think about as well. Is, so entre the, the job of an entrepreneur is that they are trying to map their current actions or production to the anticipated future structure of consumption. So they're trying to be where the puck is going. They're trying to create something that people will need in the future. Yep. There's some gap between the cost of inputs and what they think they can sell outputs for that they think they can exploit in the future. So it's looking around the corner. That's what entrepreneurship is. Um, so they're trying to fit, again, current action to future market data. Won't AI accelerate this as well, or at least augment this? Because AI is giving it a new way to look into the future. Absolutely. It, it, um... First, let's break down what you just said a little bit more. And so, it, so what Elon Musk does when in the first uh, uh, the, uh, the first roadster, I project out exponential trends. I give you a picture of a car with a whole bunch of specs I can't deliver now. Mm -hmm. I charge you for it, and and deliver it two years later when I can deliver it. 
against the uh, right. So, so I don't charge you the whole thing, but I charge you a deposit, and that proves I have a viable business model as I build into the exponential trend. Yeah. And what I do is I start at the high part of the market. Right. Right. So people that can afford to pay weight everything else, and then I and then but I'm forecasting the trends on the exponential. Um, battery power, uh, battery uh, technology, everything, uh, automation, I'm forecasting those trends, knowing that I'm not going to stay at the top end. That's yeah. just my, then I do it again on the next car. And I, and, and I forecast the trend and I can't do it right away. I can't deliver that. If I said, I can, I'm going to deliver this this year, no chance, yeah. but I charge you <laughs> forecasting the next trend and, 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 and building that. So that's part of that. But that talks about the production of the car. He's also forecasting the change in business models that is a result of having artificial intelligence it, it essentially pick up a car for you. Mm-hmm. So, or be your car, be your driver. And forecasting a trend that it doesn't need to be on LiDAR, I can do it in a different way that's ch- uh, cheaper, more effective. And I can, because I have all these cars on the road, I can beat everybody to the market and Essentially what ends up happening is the best algorithm wins. The best algorithm wins by having the most data, data uh, connections. So once you hit that network effect on data, everybody uses the best algorithm because the second best one is not good enough. Right. So they, they, make your be- they make it better and better and better. So if you forecast that trend out and, he, and you have self-driving cars essentially owned by Tesla, and they license it to other car manufacturers and they build a service company instead of a car company based on that service energy car company. It looks totally different than a car company. And so it's a business model change and a, and a technology change by forecasting what's coming across orthogonal technologies and what you're able to do differently um, with those uh, uh, with, uh, with that. And, and when you said production, we, so we used to buy a record or a CD and we had tons of CDs. I threw mine out a couple of years ago um, that, uh, that, that you'd buy. So you could, uh, you'd buy the entire thing. So you could have one of the songs um, and you, and, and today we can't even listen to all the music that we have access to. And the delivery mechanism for that looks like a platform mm-hmm. like Spotify. It looks totally different than the, and it's just information. Yeah. And so it's aggregating that information in a different way. And, and, and most of the industries are going to change to, to look like that because then our belief system changes. We don't, we think we want a record and we think we want storage of a record or a CD. We don't, we want access to the music. Right. And if somebody solves that in a different way, that gives us way more for less. We use it all day long. Yeah. It's a great point. This reminds me again that all goods are services. Right. One of the things you said earlier about ideas, right? We don't even know where where our own stop and others begin. We're kind of this just nexus of ideas from other people we've interacted with or read throughout our lives. Um, there was this great. I listened to this podcast recently between Jordan Peterson and Matt Ridley. Uh, Matt Ridley is the author of a book called The Rational Optimist and, and a few others. He's a really good writer. And he made the point that he 
was reading a book by someone else that made the point that by capitalism is what lets us more narrowly specialize in production so that we can each more diversify our consumption. So each of us gets really good at one thing, providing one or a few things. And the net result of that is that we all get to enjoy many things, right? The, the widest possible selection of things. That's the magic of capitalism. So Matt Ridley says he, he writes the author a note saying, hey, that's a really brilliant idea. Where did you get it? And the author writes him back. He goes, well, I got it from one of your books. <laughs> you. yeah. It's amazing how we don't, you know, the, the, which just highlights the whole rid ridiculousness of intellectual property. It's like you can't really own an idea. It's um, another thing that Carl Jung said, Jordan Peterson has said before, that people don't have ideas, ideas have people. So right. we almost have to invert the way we look at it. It's we had, information is coursing through us generation to generation in all of our interactions. And uh, we're just kind of along for the ride. You know, we're not actually uh, the owners, owners or creators of that information even. You uh, just, just your point there just makes me laugh. Uh, in, in my former business, uh, um, Bill Direct, one of the, ideas that we I, I read a, it was a book called mastering the rockefeller habits and it was a framework to for for growth and communication and alignment and learning really curious up curiosity drive debate across the organization and i loved it and so we into uh, we implemented that like down to the sand we got so good at it and our business was doubling every year and everything else and i and out of that i got to know the author and the author then wrote his next book about a whole bunch of things that we did and asked the same thing. He goes, where did you get this? We got it from you. We did this. And, and so then it was a little tweak and he wrote an entire next book around some of the things that we did on his framework to be able to, uh, 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 to take that further. So I totally buy what Jordan Peterson and Matt Ridley said. Um, and, and that's what happens. And uh, a lot of times, a lot of times our subconscious or our idea we've we're so focused on on what we need to do for the thing we miss it, it, the thing we hear doesn't enter into our subconscious it doesn't even and we don't even know we've heard it or we kind of recognize we've heard it and that's what ends up happening and that but when you're ready to hear it it just you can't unhear it Right. So what you're finding right now, what you're finding right now around the Bitcoin space or, or, or my thesis, let's say in deflation is once you see it, you can't unsee it. Right. It is something that, uh, that is true. And if technology and information keeps advancing, will be more true. And it forces a new paradigm of a way we deal with it, whether we like that or not. Yeah. Whether we, whether, whether, whether we say we don't want it to be true, <laughs> right? it is true. And so we better start to think about how do we build the, to the bridge to the other side right. because it is true. Yeah. I, I wonder if you, maybe you experienced this as an author as well. I, my best ideas come to me when I'm not engaged at all in studying or learning, it's I'm typically walking in nature or I'm at the gym or, you know, the classic shower thought thing. And I wonder if 
the other optimistic perspective on this future we're talking about is that more people will have more freedom to have those flashes of insight and just doing whatever with, they enjoy doing. When, uh, when you look at, uh, when, when you look at, um, it, it's a puzzle. So, so Newtonian physics and, and, and Maxwell and, 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 and building on, on that puzzle that doesn't go together with space time they're different things mm. there's uh einstein comes out and has to solve the riddle mm. and and so and it it bugs you it just you're constantly searching trying to put together the pieces to actually simplify formulas rather than make them more complex mm. right so so uh and 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 so that's what ends up happening and what you just said about um, zooming out or, or, or having a riddle in your brain that you can't, uh, you, you can't solve that for the riddle in my brain that I couldn't solve was why isn't everything getting cheaper if technology is moving at this rate? Right. That's the, and it was like 10 years. I, I, I laughed just the other day, uh, uh, just the other day, now 12 years. I, I, I laughed because uh, my former co-founder in, 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 in that business said to me, he goes, this is something that you've been talking about for 10 years. You, I, I know you didn't want to write the book. This is something you talk about every, everywhere to everyone. And I said, yeah, have beers with me one night. That's what we talk about. And <laughs> I said, I'm sorry for to you and everybody else. But, but it was that riddle that I just couldn't solve that I, I just had to solve um, or, or figure out what that, uh, what that looked like. But, but I think that's the, and to do that, you have to step back from the system. Yeah. And when you say walking around, so you're curious about something. Yeah. It forces different questions. That curiosity takes you down a path. You don't know where it's going to go. Right? Right. For you, for you. And then you're walking in the forest or you're in the shower and you go, bingo, <laughs> when yeah. you're not ready for it. And yeah. this insight comes in that kind of puts the pieces together in a different way. And, uh, and, and it's, I love that. It is a, it's, it's actually, it's a thing that I love most about working with young entrepreneurs on new businesses. Um, trying to trying to solve that riddle. It's the uh, it's it's such a fun, fantastic time. It's the, the thing I I love being on this podcast with you because you think like that. Uh, Preston Pish thinks like that. There's a bunch of different people in this community that that think like that, and and the best information wins. And they're not afraid. They're not afraid to promote somebody else with really great information, right? Because um, because because they're, uh, they're, they're, it's because they really care about the riddle. They really care about the right answer. Yeah. No, I, I think the entire framework of looking at the world like that, where ideas are primary, it's very ego minimizing. Right. And very humbling, frankly, when you start to look at this giant heritage of ideas, you know, the proverbial shoulders of giants on which we all stand. Um, I, you know, I think when, Maybe this is an age thing as well. When you're a little bit younger, you think you've got a better grip on things or, you know, you think you've got it all figured out. You know, you might be a little more arrogant in your mental models or beliefs. But typically with time and experience, you get humbled through various experiences. And uh, I've just found myself becoming, shifting from this worldview of thinking like, oh, I, I've got things, got a handle on the way th the world is 
to where now I'm like, oh my goodness, this thing is just so vast and complex. I have no idea about anything. It's kind of like the Socrates thing. Like all I know is that I know nothing at all. Uh, yeah, and, and 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 when you think about that, so when you think so, yeah, measure a system from within the system. So what's everybody's doing today? If you go back to this whole thing, so so if you're on a plane and somebody walks down uh, walks down the aisle, you know how fast they're going. Right. But they're going that fast relative to you on the plane. Right. So the, the observer on the planet, on the, on the earth, they're going a totally different speed. Um, yeah. If they could see that person walking uh, through kind of through the fuselage of the plane, if they could see it, they're going a totally different speed. And, and the earth is moving a totally different speed and the observer outside of the earth. And, and so, so when you think about how, what that means, when we talk about all of these things, that matter so much to us in this grand illusion yeah. of space and time. It, it, it just it puts in perspective. It puts it in perspective. And how can you not be humble? When I think about all of the ideas, when people say, "Oh, you're so bright," I think, "Are you kidding me? Look at the, look at the people around me. I, I'm I'm scared to talk to that person. They like the but um, but but how." how many ideas how much how much intellect is out there when you're actually not afraid to 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 uh have the humility in it and celebrate others who are contributing ideas yeah it's you know such a necessary element of learning as you need to have the humility and openness to one person the other thing you know we always we're constantly saying intellect and this smart but it's so much more varied than that there's so many different ways people think um and just the ways they see the world you know some people are visual some people are verbal etc etc um and i wonder so getting back to that the big idea the error correction is the basis of all intelligence then this this connects a lot of things for me so we would say consciousness itself or maybe not consciousness, maybe just we'll stick with intelligence, constantly refitting the way it sees the world to what the world actually is. So it's learning through pain. You know, anytime there's misfitness between the model or we could say the map and the territory, uh, where the intelligent force is assimilating that to update its map, basically. So that's kind of, we have that between our ears, but then we also have this intelligent force the distributed intelligent force of the market, right? We're, yep. we're wiring all of our intellects together via the price, mostly. You know, there's also words moving back and forth, but price is really what's driving human action. And so that that is the real force at play here. We have this distributed, the ultimate distributed computing power in the sphere of human affairs, which is the free market itself. And it's creating tools and prices that advance its own error correction even further. Um, and this gets into the, I guess Karl Popper was uh, an empirical reductionist perhaps. And he, uh, I know he was very influential on Taleb's thinking in Via Negativa, where all of our knowledge grows uh, by subtraction effectively. So we're, we're, we're disproving uh, hypotheses 
through the scientific method largely. And then whatever's left over is knowledge basically. So Karl Popper's quote was, quote, all of our knowledge grows only through correcting of our mistakes, unquote. And we, so the, the, if we're handicapping ourselves we're through central planning, effectively, we're, we're saying <laughs> we have all these unlimited problems. We have the, the greatest problem solving force in the world, which is the free market. But we're going to forego that problem solving force and instead assign this responsibility to a handful of politically favored bureaucrats. I mean, how long do you, do you think this can even hold up in the digital age? That's a, it's, it's a really important concept and it's a really important concept for, uh, for Bitcoin. Um, Bitcoin, uh, no, number one, that type of system always aggregates to kind of the biggest guns or the most control or the biggest thug. So communism always, it, it, that's what it looks like. It's a, it's a system by control. And, and it is not efficient based on a free market. It can't learn at the rate because you're having to aggregate information into people to make mistakes into a number of people and abandoning a whole bunch of choices made into the end of the market. So it's impossible for that system to be as efficient. If that system isn't as efficient, then living standards must decline. Mm. And so, uh, so, so, so Bitcoin, what most people don't realize is actually Bitcoin defunds communism. Mm -hmm. It's impossible to retain control. It's within in a Bitcoin type of system because the free market, the free market wins. And, and it forces, it forces that knowledge out to society and the, and the productivity gains from that from from that knowledge to the widest possible audience in society and that's why it's so congruent to where where technology is moving um it's it's actually it's a requirement and i, I put this out quite a lot quite often but it's it's a, it's important to keep on saying technology today whether i like it or not requires a uh, to, requires a, a currency that allows for deflation it's a requirement. Every other path concentrates wealth, power, and ends in in control by the state. Every other path there isn't, and and that might not have been true. You could it would have happened slowly in a time where technology wasn't. It still happened, but it happened slowly where people didn't notice. Um, in a time before uh, uh, technology moving at this pace but it doesn't matter what was true it's what's true now when um when the facts change smart people change it's a great point so I, we could almost equate knowledge to freedom in a way and that which is actually calls a, a quote to mind that um I use in one of my pieces, knowledge makes a man unfit to be a slave. So it's as if, you know, we, we're, we're error correcting both in our own lives and in the marketplace and in error correcting, we're harvesting knowledge effectively of how to deal with these problems again in the future. Right. It's not just solving today's problem. It's not just, not just putting food on the table today. It's how we're going to put food on the table for the next year, or the next decade. You know, right. How do we build things that, are persistent across time. It's very important. 